Good morning, everyone. This is Chad and Larry and Dawn with you live this Friday with the Palmetto Real Estate Pros, where we talk real estate. Welcome in. Uh, how are you this morning, Mr. Jordan? I'm hearing well so far. Dawn, are you live with us as well? I thank goodness I'm live. <laughs> <laughs> right. You are alive, and we are here joining Pin- you. Pinch yourself. <laughs> yep yep i'm here all right that's good well good we're going to talk about some real estate today amazingly enough we thought that since that's the topic of our show we might discuss that a little bit yeah and it seems to be the topic everywhere chad i was talking to a real estate agent in georgia yesterday and she started talking about the same things we're going to be talking about here today very interesting because uh, one of the topics we kind of wanted to talk about obviously uh, the big big topic right now, I think, is Wednesday, uh, Jerome Powell, or Jay. We'll call him Jay because he's Jay. a buddy, right? Yeah. Sure. He's all of our friends. Yeah. Jay Powell, Jay. <laughs> Jerome Powell, the Fed chairman of the Federal Reserve chairman, uh, who has, you know, a lot. They wield a lot of power and authority, and their only tool in the toolbox, now think <laughs> about this, is to raise interest rates. Because they've done the quantitative easing uh, to to help the economy stay afloat when we had the banking crisis, that really never stopped. It just continued in bigger and bigger ways. And uh, right now, the the uh, the budget I believe that was passed, the latest budget that was passed, was only six trillion dollars. And so we take in about four trillion dollars. Should I write a check for the difference? If you could, I think that would be helpful. Actually, I don't think anybody should because it's going to just be wasted. Because but all they're they, right back to six trillion again. <laughs> they'll just spend more. But th- this is the problem, right? When you spend so much money, and um, that much money's in the economy, and then you have all the the other pandemic stuff out there. There's so much supply, just like supply and demand with houses. The supply of money is you got to pull it back out of the economy now because we've we've put too much out there. And so the only way to do that is contract. And uh, if you go back and read, I'm, we're not going to read it for you, but you can go back and look at Jerome Powell's comments on Wednesday. You put it in any Google search, you'll find it. And what he said is, we need the economy to contract. That's just basically says we need the economy to do worse. We need we need things not yeah. to move as fast. Shrink you know, down. Shrink. It- in the news that uh, was just airing right before the show, <laughs> they commented that the jobs rate was disappointing because there were still so many people being hired. I'm like, that does not make sense. Exactly. It's almost <laughs> like the so, re- yeah. reverse of what you would want. Yeah. But when there's Why inflation. Why you want people to be in work? <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, the, the last rate, now, I mean, he comes out with his comment, right, every so often, and they make a decision whether to raise rates leave them the same, lower the rates, whatever. And we've been in a time for, you know, this year where it's just increase, increase, increase. And the last increase, which was Wednesday, was um, a quarter, uh, three quarters of a point, which is, you know, Erica's talked about this a lot. So this is not your mortgage interest rate. This is not your your credit card interest rate. It affects those things, but it's not that rate. This is a short-term rate that banks, or you know, that they lend each other, things like this. So... Um, I was talking to um, someone else, another lender on another property that Erica wasn't involved in, another person in our office was using, and I asked them about their rates, and they said, well, this this Wednesday um, bump was kind of already priced in, so it didn't affect rates tremendously. So 
that's a good thing. The market kind of anticipates what the Fed is going to do. And what they learned Wednesday is that the Fed has no intention of stopping this. That you know they got kind of mixed bag at first. You know you think like, well maybe there's there's an end in sight. Maybe December they'll stop. However, if you read his comments further, he's like, no. The, if you think this is going to be short, it's going to stop when we see the economy contract. And let me ask you guys out there listening: Have you seen the prices of eggs go down? Oh sure. Have you seen the prices of anything go down yet? If the answer is no, then his job is not done in his mind. He's got to do more work to to hit it harder, and that's the kind of a where we're at right now. So, so great, you, great news. So how do you get the price of eggs down when the farmer can barely buy feed to feed the chickens? It, uh, you go to 4-H. That's <laughs> our plan, actually. Right. We are uh, buying beef and buying chicken and buying uh, pork and eggs directly from the 4-H people. And the people who uh, can harvest it themselves. And there is hope because things well, I mean, will change. Creative. Yeah. Yeah. There's be hope creative. that there's be creative. You things will change at some point. We've we've been through worse times before, yeah, and we'll you know, face that, times again. And uh, so we we have to deal with what the reality is that we're facing. That's but that's such an oxymoron, Chad. When you say like we've been through worse times before, with like the strong economy, with like job counts at a low, that's not the worst times ever. Just because interest rates are going up, like that's kind of a good thing because it speaks volumes to the strength of our economy. It's not the opposite, which is like what like it's just so counterintuitive to think that these are the worst times because we're paying a little bit more. Exactly. And it's, it's just a, it's a very, everybody has a job. It's an odd time though. It is because it's like, you've got so much spending when people, and and it's hard to get people to work. Um, and that's one of the things that, that, um, Powell mentioned is that as wages increase, they keep, they're saying if there's a spiral, like if people have to pay a ton of money to get somebody to go work at the, you know, the, I guess like the, Jiffy the lube? yeah, the Jiffy Lube or the, the, uh, the fast food place, you're paying $25 an hour or something. Oh my gosh. You've God got a spiral big. there and God they've got forbid. to do something. Yeah. So they should pay somebody a livable wage so they could actually go out and afford an apartment. Well, what's happened too. I mean, I've, I've seen this with, with my kids, you know, a lot of times with the, the, when there's a, a wage increase, the young people don't get as many jobs. So like your high schoolers and your part-time people, you know, they would rather get somebody who's retired or something. I mean, I, I understand that if you're hiring, but, um, the real estate market, how this affects the real estate market as we know is interest rates. But what we want to talk about, we've only got a, a minute or so left on the, before the break, but what we want to talk about a little bit is, is this not just the interest rates and what's going on with the fed, but how this affects us personally and why this is its kind of an odd time where we see inventory still low and um, prices, uh, when they're, they're holding at the moment, but how this all plays in, what you should expect as we move through this market and um, so that you're aware of it. And, well, you know, I'm just going to throw in before we go, and the glory of the uh, advantage of living in South Carolina, where we still have affordable housing. <laughs> That's right, because you know that firsthand as well, don't you? <laughs> yep, I do. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things we, we came across that we wanted to kind of explore a little bit is this. We we ran across this article from Redfin, which is an iBuyer. They buy houses, 
um, the one of those like Open Door, you know, these kind of companies. And this uh, the CEO there has this theory on why home prices are falling faster than they were in 2006. Now we'll kind of look at that data, and this is this is nationwide data, so you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt and look at your own local market and see if that's that's what we're seeing because some markets fall faster and rise faster. And when the economy's doing great, they go through the roof, and then they fall just as quick in the other direction. And uh, as Dawn mentioned, we're kind of in a more stable area because we don't have, you know, those uh, those same dynamics that play out typically in our market. So we got about five, six seconds left. So as we round out to the break, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back. See you in a few. Some nice piano back behind us as we enter in on the second. That uh, that's a uh, someone we pay very well back there. Okay. So um, welcome back in. This is Chad, Larry, and Dawn with the Palmetto Real Estate Pros. Quick reminder: you can go to our website, PalmettoRealEstatePros.com, and get some more information about us. Um, If you have a question that you don't feel comfortable being on air, we'll treat you well if you call in. Um, but if you don't feel comfortable, you can send it in through our website there. You can view our sponsors, get some uh, get some great work done around your house you if you need it. You can be a sponsor if you'd like. Yes, you can be a sponsor. That is correct. So yeah, you be one. you've got that, and um, you can listen to our previous episodes, and you can call us directly at 803-799-TALK. I have it down this, this week, 803-799-8255. <laughs> Well, they didn't hide the number from you. I think we all know it by heart, but we still look at it. I know. It's, the it's, Groucho Deli hotline. Yeah, there way. you go. So we've got this article we were talking about before the break that we wanted to kind of go through a little bit because it's very interesting. Uh, the, the headline is home prices are falling faster than they were in 2006. And that, that catches my attention. Well, are they really? And so this is a, the Redfin CEO revealed why. And so his, his basic point is that there are more homes on the market now that are owned by iBuyers and by uh, investors, if you will. They could be hedge funds or whatever. And so this is, this is usually when you want to know about an article. If you read the first couple paragraphs and the last couple paragraphs, you get everything you need because the middle is kind of all the, you know, filling in the fluff. details. Yes, fluff. <laughs> So it says U.S. housing market since the 2000 housing bubble, average Joes poured in to the housing market with hopes of building Airbnb empires. Institutional investors like Blackstone owned home uh, partners quickly expanded their single family portfolios. Home builders eager to, eager to strike out while the coals were hot, broke ground on record number of spec homes while eye buyers like Open Door, Zillow, ramped up their algorithmic home buying programs. And they didn't mention in here Redfin, which is one of those mm-hmm. in, the, in the mix. So if you move forward to now, um, we have a housing correction that's taking place. I love that. Housing correction. Right. So, normalizing. You know, normalizing. Yeah, normalizing. And, again. and we've talked about this because what we saw, we, everybody knew. 
this can't continue like this. I mean, when you're when you have a house on the market and within one day you have 47 offers, that's that's a lot of pent up demand. That that means the market is not um, balanced, obviously. And so after the pandemic, you had this huge glut of buyers and not enough houses. And so you still have that a little bit where there's not much inventory, but why is the price correction taking place? Even if there's not a lot of inventory, it does kind of make you ask why. And so this CEO's reason why is because there's so many people that own houses that aren't the homeowner that they're homeowner, but they don't live in the house. They're investors. investors. Yeah. Investors were investing so heavily when interest rates were at near zero and now they're not that's it's that's what it is you want to buy low and sell high and think of an institutional buyer dawn that has money in you know they they get money from investors like and they pool it together Mm -hmm. and you can go to the stock market and the stock market was doing really well at the time also so you maybe have double digit returns but you're kind of looking at the one side of your eye like the housing market is on fire we should take this money we have and go put it in the houses. We could go buy a house today, hold it for three months, and it get 25% increase mm-hmm. in value in a month because mm-hmm. we were seeing weird stuff like that. And pay almost zero interest on it. And, and have no interest. Yeah, I mean, so it's very appealing. But so as quick as they went in, and, uh, you know, one of the things that Zillow mentions is that they overpaid for houses. Zillow admitted they were overpaying. So they were counting on a rising market. Remember us talking about that at the time that Zillow is just last year. about to kill themselves. Right. That was last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were overpaying, and their anticipation was it's like it w- if the market continues going up, it doesn't matter what we pay. Right. We'll just pay market price, and the next year it'll be worth 20% more. Exactly. So now when the market starts to, I like your word, Dawn, stabilize, <laughs> when you don't see rates or, or uh, the, the appreciation happening at 20%, 30%. The people who are buying houses are actually the home buyers or the homeowners or the owner occupiers as opposed to investors. And, yeah. and as an investor, what do they want to do? Limit their loss. Mm-hmm. So they didn't buy it to live in it and enjoy the house and make a family there and you know, have cookouts, they bought it as a investment vehicle. So as an investment vehicle, what are they going to do when they see the market turn? They're going to sell it quick at a lower price. And they don't care. That's right. Like, and they're going to undercut, they're going to undercut the owner-occupier who, because they want to get out. It's investment money. And we saw the, that asset. we saw the same thing with the REO, which is real estate owned, bank owned properties. When the bank forecloses on a property and they sell it in your neighborhood, do the neighborhood people like that usually? No, because they're selling lower than their houses were. So it brings down their value. Exactly. Yeah. We have I, I've I've known people who have not put their house on the market when they've got a foreclosure in the neighborhood because for for a couple of years because they wait for that foreclosure data to stop affecting their own home price because appraisers look at that. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at this correction, this is what. This is what we see. U.S. home prices have fallen 1.6% between June and August. Stop a moment. How much have they gone up before that? Yeah, like 25% or something Correct. like that. So if, yeah. we, if you look at it in a balance, you say, well, we're still way ahead. 
Yeah, one still respect. like 23.5% over where we were two years ago with home values. However, if you're an investor looking at your asset, That's you're like, let's disaster. sell it now. Yeah, get rid of it immediately. We can collect our 20%. We got we had a 27% increase. We're only going to make 20% now. So let's get it rid of it now. I bet you right. <laughs> so that's the difference between buying at a hundred thousand and selling at one twenty. Exactly. So this is a great point to pause for a second because we have our wonderful sponsor, Erica, on the line. Uh, Erica, are you with us? I'm here. Hey, Erica. So you're getting Happy a bunch Friday. of things back on the other side of this equation. We're talking about home prices and, and things like this. You're, what are you seeing on appraisals right now when you see uh, your your uh, loans coming back in, you get the appraisals? Are you seeing them holding steady, going down, yep. about the same? No. No, I mean, we have, I have not had one. Not, i got to find some wood to knock on. Um, <laughs> I, we have not had any appraisals under appraise in a long time. That's good news. So, yeah. I mean, I think, I think values are, are holding, um, you know, we, we talk about all the time that last year homes were selling for above sales price and, you know, right, right now, like if you had a $300,000 house last year, it may have gone for what, 315, 320 right. more. Um, you know, in that same house right now, this year may, may go for 290. That, that's not a big deal because average appreciation since 2008 has been about 3% a year. And then in the last two years, we, we just got bukus. <laughs> bukus. Um, and so you're not losing any money because had COVID never happened, you're still ahead of the game. You know, and so we, we have to tell everybody, you know, the market's not tanking, right? You're, you're still above, you're still uh, up from when you, or even if you purchased a year ago, you're up. You exactly. Are up. exactly. Um, and so there's there's not you know this this uh, uh, need, but because home values are up or because interest rates are up, people are being able to get homes a little bit more affordably than w- they were when rates were low. Right? That's just the difference in a buyer's and a seller's market. And <clears throat> it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of the ebb and flow of the market. And I've had a lot of conversations over the last week that. 2020 and 2021 wasn't a good market. There were low interest rates. Those are two different things. That you is know, correct. And, and, and Erica, like, let me ask you a question. We, we got about two yeah. and a half minutes or so, but I wanted to ask you about the uh, not just the home prices, what they're what they're selling for. Are you seeing on your side more seller concessions, like absolutely people paying closing Every calls? Contract. Yeah. Yes. So, contingencies so, meaning they'll wait until you sell your home seller pay closing costs actually negotiating repair addendums um it, it i feel like it is more of a fair market right now because there's negotiating right we haven't seen that in a long time so uh, this means that if you're a real estate agent you're going to have to to work for it which is what we normally did golly, i mean we did concept. before now when it was going crazy the the work there was my gosh i got so many offers i got to go through these things but it was very rare that you, I mean, when you got people, 15 people making an offer on a house, you're not going to negotiate repairs and it's just like, look, it's as is, do you want it? And then if you don't, we're going to the next person and somebody will buy yeah. it. Erica is explaining what's happening in the market now is there's more negotiation. The buyer's getting a little more, you know, okay, yeah, we'll look at repairs. We'll do some things for you. Um, maybe help pay some closing costs for you. So we're seeing more of that. 
which Seller is great. Helps to sell fact, the house. I have a uh, I have a deal right now where the buyer isn't even pre-qualified. She's working on her pre-qualification and was able to negotiate an early occupancy based on her being pre-qualified in a few days. A seller was willing to do it to make sure that they got top dollar for the uh, for the property. And, and this buyer is offering full price, no closing costs, all those things. But the concession was they get to move in early. And <laughs> they've got like 10 pets. <laughs> <laughs> This it's is awesome. We are seeing more and more of this. So um, in the last one minute, Erica, tell folks how they can get in touch with you, what kind of what they can expect right now with interest rates. And if they call you, what what kind of information do you need and, and uh, why it's a good time to still buy? Well, so you can reach me at uh, 803-528-5019. You can also go to my website, which is ericahillwest.com. Find my contact information there. Um be prepared to have, you know, pay stubs, assets, your birth date, social security, living history, work history, that kind of stuff at your at your fingertips so that we can start analyzing. Um, you can expect interest rates to be in the sevens. That's where we're at. Um, and uh, the good news is, is we keep telling you is that what goes up must come down. If you find the house and you're able to purchase it, that is a good move for your family because, as we said, um, homes keep appreciating in value. Nice. And uh, when rates drop, you can refinance. Thank you, Erica. Done like a real pro on radio. Till the next time, we'll see you in a few minutes on the other side of the break. Sounds like our music, Kev. Yeah, that person is playing a different tune back there yeah. now. So put down the piano. Hey, whoever's doing that, good job. We appreciate it. So uh, this is good. We're back. It's the Palmetto Real Estate Pros. So, so thankful that Erica joins us most weeks to fill in some gaps and tell you about the lending side. And uh, before we went on break, we were talking about uh, the the I buyers, the investors that have entered the market in such a big way. And how that that may be one of the reasons we're seeing prices drop, kind of, and are now pulling out with with still no inventory. There's still no inventory, and but if it's an investment, as we mentioned before, and it's not a home you're living in, it's it's a lot easier to just cut your losses and say, I see the market changing a bit, so I'm out well, and what, sell it. What it also does, the buyers that want to live in that place, when they look at the history and the real estate agents tell them, this house was bought eight months ago at 200,000 uh, and now it's 180 same house has only been on on the market off again so buyers are getting a deal from those people that are selling well in many cases they're still selling it for more than what they bought it for you know in some even cases, yeah. yeah so what My what gosh, where i live houses like houses the the prices haven't really gone down i mean the the house that we're in uh, three years ago was half as much as it was than we paid. Two years ago, it was three quarters as much as we paid. And last <laughs> year, it was as much as we paid. And we're still seeing housing prices strong around here. Well, they, they're staying pretty strong. They're just not getting 15 on 20 offers at a time. Right. Uh, our homes here that we list, they get sold very quickly. Well, and when we first uh, moved here to Idaho, there were about 100 houses on the market. And now there are about 500 houses on the market. So... 
again, it speaks volumes to how many people are buying. It, it comes down to a lot of investors, about half the properties uh, that were being bought during the pandemic, half, 50% were being bought through investors and investment companies and hedge funds, um, Blackstone, Zillow iBuyer, Redfin iBuyer, and now they're getting out of it with uh, rising interest rates and, you know, they buy low and sell high. And, and that's yeah. double, uh, more than double, because in the past, before 2012 or so, before, or even later than that, your, your average investor or institutional buyer was around 12 to 15 percent. And so now nationally, it's about 26 percent. And when you're saying some areas, they went real heavy. And if you're saying 50%, that's a lot. That's a lot. Which means it's gonna, the market's going to change up and down a lot quicker. Correct. Because guess Correct. what they're going to do when they see, you know, Pals is at the bottom when the market starts to change. They're going to come in and start swooping them up again. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to see prices go up. And so this is why it's cyclical. Um, and so... It is a, a financial proposition for most people and a financial proposition only, not necessarily I need a place to live. I mean, it does put some pressure on you as an individual. But, you know, if rates are up and prices are holding and there's more concessions, it's still not a bad time to be a homeowner. And, Don, you mentioned during the break, we forget to mention this sometimes, but a homeowner has a lot more um, financial um, incentives yeah, to be a homeowner and even to borrow money than someone who's uh, renting. So if you're renting and you're paying $1,500 a month, or let's call it $1,000 a month because my math is I'm math challenged, unlike the engineer <laughs> over here. So that's $12,000 a year. At the end of the year, you've paid $12,000 and you get no, I'm putting in quotations, credit for it. However, if you borrowed money and bought a house and your house payments, twelve hundred. if you pay $12,000 a year in payments, mm-hmm. you're probably going to get a large portion of that back because you can write off the taxes. Maybe not back, but you'll get a credit on your earned income. Yeah. So you, you, your tax bill will go down. In fact, you may get more return in your tax from the government. They may give some of it back to help pay your house payment. So Mr. Jordan, the wise one, the math guy, right? Uh-oh. If you're paying, if you've got a 7% more uh, interest rate on a mortgage, a 360 payment, 30-year mortgage, how much interest are you paying And when you make that $1,000 payment? In the front end of it, you're paying about three-quarters of that payment is interest. So that means like $750. Mm-hmm. So it goes down a little bit every time you... Every, you, every time you, you make a payment, you pay less on a 30-year mortgage. Yeah, on a 30-year. So you're paying, you know... The longer you're in that house, the more principal you're hitting down every time you make a payment. But, but you could you be looking take, at... If you take 30 years, you're going to be paying over twice, three times the price of the house. But at the end but of that first year, depending the on the interest off. rate. Tax, tax credits. You get to write the interest rate off and up to $10,000 of your property taxes as well. That's you right. get to write off. Well, that's, so that's good news. If money you're back in your pocket. Much better to be a homeowner if you can. Well, that's what I say all the time when I'm talking to people. I say, this is like getting your uncle to pay some of your payment for you. <laughs> I mean, you're getting it back. If you oh, rent, you don't yeah. get anything back, <laughs> taxes or interest, or really any benefit. Uh, you get to stay in a house. You get to st- you that's have your a benefit. roof over your head, but it's not yours. 
Well, that's also, it, it's one of the contributing factors to one of the reasons that, um, many of the reasons that people who own homes have a much higher net worth than people who rent. People who own homes have an average net worth of about a quarter million dollars. People who rent have an average net worth of about $5,000. There's like a huge difference there. Well, Just think about it in the terms of taxes. Here's a good thing to think about. What you get back in savings for taxes and... Uh, Forced depreciation. And your, and your um, uh, interest benefits, if you have a 30-year mortgage and you make the money that you get back, if you just make one extra payment a year, you'll pay your loan off in about 21 to 22 years mm-hmm. instead of 30. So you most, save eight years of interest. Most people don't stay in their house I know. 21 years. So, I mean, the average person. But every time you do it, though, yeah, it helps value your value goes up on your house. It's, what, five to seven years, eight years, something like that. Uh, Eric said, Erica said an average appreciation of 3%. Uh, nationally, it's about 4% average year-over-year appreciation, 4% in your house, average. So if you're there for seven years, that's you know 4% compounded. For the first year, if you buy it at 100000 next year, you know 104. The year after that, about 108.2. The year after that, or I guess 108.8. Um, the, you know, so it's, it's an average appreciation that's compounded yeah, and your balance is going down so we and we all is going down i want to say all that was a wrong statement because not everyone remembers the great re- the the great uh, recession as they called it right from 2006 to about 2012 what we saw in that time was a correction of about 27 percent downward yeah. on prices and if you lived through that, you probably I know you remember that. Yeah, we, um, we, I lived through. Yeah, so we we <laughs> remember those Las times. Vegas during that man, but everybody knew somebody. Yeah, so it's recovered, and yeah. um, what we're not expecting a downturn like that this time. Um, and what's <laughs> interesting is that people, you know, especially homeowners who are living in their house, home values are you, you could call it kind of sticky, right? People don't like to sell their house for less than what they paid. And they really don't like to sell it, thinking they're leaving money on the table or losing. And so people kind of hang on to their house when and say, you know, I'm not going to sell it right now if they can. And so this you gives know, home ownership and, and the values of houses a kind of a, a more durable value. You don't see those swings like in most things. Well, and and it doesn't matter when you buy or when you – if you're selling a house, if you live in a house and you want to buy a new house – the market that you're selling in is also the market that you're buying in. Is it ever a bad time to buy or sell a house? Like, no. No, it's really not. If you can afford the payment, if, if the house is attractive and the payment is affordable, then why, why is it a bad time? Does it matter how much the interest rate is? No. Not unless you're no. paying cash. In fact, we, <laughs> then you don't look well, at we the interest rate. Well, we went over this in the workshop. In fact, Larry, you mentioned that. Does it matter how much mon- how much the interest is on the money you're borrowing? No. If right, and why is that? Because if you're buying something at a big discount, the the rate you pay is less important than the profit. If if you're buying it as an investment, that you're going to recoup when you when you buy it. I mean, so people are paying fifteen percent on a regular basis borrowing hard money on a house and you think why in the world would anybody pay 15 percent well because they're gonna make 
so much more by getting able access to the money that it is the the interest rate is is less relevant than the profit potential on the backside. Correct. That's right. And so if people like now let's take that out from uh, investors and put that into owner occupiers. If you're buying now and the average time people stay in their house is uh, seven years, they move ev- on an average every seven years and refinance on an average of every five years. Um, do you think that they're going to have equity built up into their house? Do you think that that value is going to be higher? I mean, it's a bit of a roller coaster with values, but if you stay in it long enough, you're going to make money on it. So what does it matter what the interest rate is today if you're going to make money a few years from now? The key is can you make the payment? You know, can, can you, you can you the cover payment? the payment? If you can is make the payment, the payment and you were going to pay more or the same in a rental, you, you're better off buying. I can remember back in ancient history when people had 9% loans and the interest rates dropped to 7 everybody was refinancing as if that yep. 7% was going away. It's all it relative. It's all relative. It is all relative. And so we've got a, a couple minutes here before we go to a break. What we wanted to cover a little bit on the other side of the break is how this affects the commercial market because we, we talk a lot about residential, but there's a whole other world of commercial property that is either investment property or business-owned um, property. And so we want to kind of take a look at that, how this affects your, uh, your multifamily. If you're borrowing money for, for, a, for a project or for um, something that's not necessarily residential, and really we're going to look more at investment property. So you could, you could buy a building and, and have your office in it. That's not really what we're talking about. If you're buying a property to make money on it for an income stream, how does how does the interest rate affect those properties? Because just like you said, Dawn, it's relative there too. Yes, it is. Yep. yep. So hang we'll on. Do, uh, go ahead. No, I was <laughs> Sorry. Just, I was just gonna say, hang on through the break and and um, with uh, make sure if you're you're listening, you can call in at eight zero three seven nine nine talk. It's eight zero three seven nine nine eight two five five. And uh, Dawn, you got a few seconds left. So what were you gonna say? You should be able to invest in any market, in any in any economy. You should, so long as you know your numbers, you should be able to do investments. That is That's correct. It. So and get good we advice want, along the way. That's correct. Anything that you're looking at buying, you have to know the numbers. Right. Make sure you can afford it. And in a commercial property or an income property, it's the same thing. The only difference is I'm not looking at this to live in it and make it my own and make it a house and a home. I'm looking at it to see how much money it can generate for me. So everybody has a different exit strategy. That's right. And so join us in a few minutes. We'll see you shortly. back this is chad and larry and dawn with the palmetto real estate pros thank you for hanging in there this is our last segment so stay tuned we're going to talk about commercial real estate a little bit and how interest rates affect uh, those those uh, projects as well do we have a band with us today i I mean we keep changing the music i I thought they were just playing just for us no they're in the background back here it's good so again i wish i could hear yes So, Dawn, you have to join us remotely, unfortunately, but you could. Yeah, I do. Yes. It's not unfortunate. I'm ha- so happy to be here uh, every single week. Love it. 
absolutely and, love you guys. And we're happy to have you. And what we wanted to transition into a little bit, we talked a little bit about um, institutional investors coming in buying residential properties. There's the advantage to buying residential properties, and it's the ease of getting a house. I mean, it's tip, you know, it's pretty pretty easy. The numbers are pretty straightforward. The house prices are. It's easy to know if a uh, area is rising in in um, prices or declining, and it's easy to or see. Staying stable. Or it's stable, and it's easy to see. Okay, it needs carpet and paint. We can fix that easy. And that's what you were talking about earlier. Forced depreciation. Mm-hmm. So those things are kind of easy to identify. Um, commercial projects, they, they're they not difficult to identify, but there's more numbers associated. So let's just say, for instance, you want to buy a 30-unit apartment building. Well, there's some other stuff that goes into that. One of those things is what is the income and expenses on that building? The can real I, income. Can I get the, the real numbers on it? Because yeah. the way commercial real estate works in most cases is that it's based on the income of the property. So the value is not just comps. I mean, that may play a small part, but it's very little. Um, what you're really looking for is based on the income that this unit is producing or this this these units are producing it there's a value that's set and it's called that value is it's called the cap rate the capitalization rate of those of those uh the units so if you've got forty thousand dollars a month coming in you want to annualize that times 12 so now you got the gross four hundred eighty thousand. you got the gross income and then you need to take out all the expenses, um, not the mortgage payment, because that's your personal. What if, if they're going to figure it based on you have cash? <laughs> so, how are these properties valued? Well, the the lower the cap rate, the more high the, the price is. The value. Yeah. yeah, the higher the value. So, if you buy a property with a high cap rate. It either don't means be confused. Yeah, don't yeah. be confused. It, oh, it's got an eleven percent cap rate. Well, that's not necessarily a good thing. Well, it, it may it's be, it may terrible, not. So like yeah. mobile homes are gonna have a higher you'll buy those with a higher cap rate because they're more management intensive and you probably have more repairs and things. So the nicer the property, the better the location of that property, the more solid the income stream, the higher the cap rate's gonna be, which means the value's higher. So this is where we get into, okay, now what happens when the interest rates go up, you know, from 3% to 7%? Guess what happens to cap rates? They start expanding because the market knows I can't sell this at a 3% cap rate when interest rates are 7 8% now. I have to kind of adjust my price because I know most people getting this property are going to have a loan or having to pay back investors or something. So it's a whole other world, but it's a very fascinating because if you've got multifamily property, um, it's a it's a great it's a great um, income stream. You've got other people paying for your your um, your property. You've got economies of scale because you've got more than one unit, hopefully in one spot. You don't have to fix like if you had a hundred houses, you would have a hundred roofs, you'd have a hundred air conditionings, you'd have a hundred toilets, more <laughs> probably more than that. So with a, a multifamily, you may have, even if it's multiple buildings, it's you've got them more in one location. And so you're buying a stream of income. And that's 
the 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 uh, interest rate is going to affect the value of that property. And well, also, you know Chad, it. the the thing that uh, you're looking at as an investor, if it's an existing property, just like Don was talking before, you want to know what you can do to improve the income. What advantage it would be to buy something that's not at its peak? How if your investment is just the land and the buildings or repairing exactly so that's forced appreciation too yeah it's just the commercial side of that well you know and it's not just multifamily. you could take that to strip malls um you know the roof over a strip mall and how many hvac units are you going to need you might want to uh, you might want to clarify what a strip mall is Don, <laughs> for folks out there listening <laughs> what is that well it's <laughs> that thing that in the 80s they popped up all over and were about as distasteful as the pinto cars but, um, <laughs> but we've grown to love because they house the uh the shopping centers um outdoor shopping centers that's what strip malls are there restaurants and centers, you know your mom and pops and some of your retail yeah, chains nail and salons and little boutique stores and yeah, just where i go all the time stores. Go, you know, uh, your local grocery store is in a strip mall with, you know, your pizza places and all of those things. Those just thought we need to clarify just in case <laughs> yeah. someone wasn't familiar with the term. Yeah. So, but yeah, but you're looking at, you know, how, how much uh, square footage is a roof replacement going to be? It could be, uh, it could be 13,000 square feet of roof. Thousand, not hundred, right? Um, how many HVAC units? If it's a, a 20 unit building, that's a separate HVAC unit for each each uh, building. Or if it's an office building that's two or three stories tall, how many HVACs are going to go in there? How much floor is going to have to be replaced uh, to update it? How much paint? I mean, it's kind of it, there's similar numbers um, that have different that have different outcomes. If you're looking at multifamily, what the rents are with that. If you're looking at uh, uh, commercial property strip mall. What are the rents of that, and how are the, how are the leases structured differently um, to bring in the different cap rates that you're talking about? I mean, they're completely different numbers. But something that you mentioned, Larry, um, that I mentioned going out, and you mentioned during the break, was exit strategy. You should have your exit strategy going in. How long do you want to hold it? Are you intending to flip it? Are you going to buy and hold and and you know, with a balloon payment in five years, which means that if you're financing it over 30 years, but you have a guarantee that you're going to pay it off in five years, that's a balloon. You know, well, and what you that's off. a that's a good point because a lot of commercial financing is not 30 year fixed rates. They, there are they're out there, they're available, but most of those are going to be like a 15 or 20 year amortization Max. with a five year call yeah. with the five-year due on sale and oftentimes it's an interest only loan so you're betting that your value is going to go up you're going to add value to that uh building that investment somehow so if you're only paying the interest rate you're not paying down the principal but you're banking on the fact that the value will go up that's how you know people are making money so you just got to know your numbers and dawn you know we're looking at some right now that are not financeable at all mm -hmm. because the income is so terrible uh, you know it's been you know for whatever reason it was inherited and mismanaged and whatever and the, so the rent. yeah the if rents don't the support leases, anything the leases yeah mm -hmm. like, yeah the leases are they're paying per square foot and they're not paying, we're paying the, ta or the owners there, the sellers are paying the taxes 
and the insurance and all of the utilities, so there's just no margin there. That's nearly a break-even thing. So as we make offers on it and we're trying to negotiate an offer, um, we're really far apart because we're looking at what the value of the building is, what the bank would consider loaning, and what they want. And, you know, what they want is not what the building is worth. And as we round out this show, it does create opportunities just like in residential sure. because you may get some kind of owner financing or get some kind of creative deal going because no one else is going to buy that property either. We're just crazy enough to do it. So well, you create something that's out of the box. Owner financing. We're right. asking about paying off the first loan and the sellers carrying back a second loan. You know, at the end of the day, it's all got to be a win-win, even if we have to add value to the building. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not an undoable loan. There's not there's not a solution that we can come to. We just got to figure out what that solution is to make everybody happy. And that is the point. If we, we want to create win-win situations because uh, this is the business we're in. We're in real estate. And if your agent's out there listening as well, this is a great time to be in the market. It's a great time to build relationships because – the market doesn't stay the same forever. And those relationships you build today are great late for later, you know, and sometimes Absolutely. the the hard work you do in today's market pays off in, in multiple ways in great relationships and income and all kinds of um, other ways you don't even recognize right now. So stay, stay, uh, stay committed, uh, stay in the business because it's a great business to be in. Things will change. Things are, are good. <laughs> Call us. Check out our website, palmettorealestatepros.com. Get a hold of us there. Ask us a question. Uh, give us a phone call. Y'all know the office number by heart. What is it? The office number is 803-939-8562. And it's great to hear you're fully converted with y'all. I heard that. Y'all ah, call. Been so since Texas, come on. <laughs> That's right. Y'all call. You spent too many hours All in Texas last week. <laughs> this is good. So hang in there. We will be back next week and uh, for a brand new show on a Friday. And if you missed the show or you're catching the last of it, join on our podcast at Palmetto Real Estate Pros dot com. Uh, we're grateful to be here each week and uh, go over some new information. That's right. And uh the thing in real estate, you got to go do something. You got to be proactive, not reactive sometimes. See the people, get out there and do business. So, with that, hang on, have a great weekend, and we will see you guys next week. Hasta la vista. Admit it, you've been woken out of a home improvement fever dream after an HGTV binge session and believed you could be a house flipper. Well, that dream is more realistic than you thought. Let the pros at the Palmetto Real Estate Group of SC guide you through the investment and rehab process. And let's make those dreams come true. Learn more at palmettoreg.com.